Have you checked out the MCAT Cars podcast yet over at MCATCarsPodcast.com? It will help you score higher in the car section and every section of the MCAT. Again, that's MCATCarsPodcast.com. This is the old pre-meds podcast session number 153. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. And welcome to the Old Pre-Meds Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, as well as the host of many other podcasts at the MedEd Media Network. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. This week, we have a question from a non-traditional international pre-med student. They say, hi, everyone. I'm a 25-year-old registered dietitian who graduated with a master's in 2017. It didn't take long to realize the limitation of nutrition in providing comprehensive care to patients, so I have recently decided to apply to medical school. My biggest question right now is, would applying as an international student plus being a non-trad equal zero chance of getting in? Should I even try? Would I have a better chance for DO versus MD? My second question is whether most schools that accept international students would consider me. Some basic information about me. GPA 3.88 undergrad, 3.85 from grad school. EC is a practicing registered dietitian in critical care setting for one year, many MD shadowing hours as a nutrition intern during two years of registered dietitian training, but no other, quote, unpaid or volunteer experiences. Prereqs, two semesters of bio, two semesters at Gen Chem, one semester Gen Physics, two semesters of Biochem, one at a graduate level. The MCAT plan to take it in May of 2019. Final question, if I had even the slightest chance of getting in, do I have to take two semesters of organic chemistry and one additional semester of physics? Are there any alternatives since I have one semester of graduate level Biochem? All right, so let's start with the last one first. Prereqs. Go to each of the schools that you may be interested in applying to and look at what they require for prereqs. That is what you should base your decisions on for prereqs. The other thing that potentially you should base your decisions on for prereqs is how prepared are you for the MCAT if you haven't had any organic chemistry, if you only have one semester of physics. Physics is on the MCAT. Organic chemistry is on the MCAT. So you may be hurting yourself for some schools because you don't have the prereqs necessary for some schools, but you also may be hurting your chances of doing well on the MCAT without doing a lot of self-study of those subjects. So that's the answer for the prereqs. The last question is the first answer. The first question, right? How likely is it to get in as an international non-trad? Well, first of all, international non-trad, I don't think really hurts anything. Everybody thinks being a non-trad is this disservice, but it's really a great benefit to be a non-traditional student. To have that experience as a registered dietitian is great. The biggest issue is being an international student. A lot, most medical schools will not consider international applicants. They're just too many issues when it comes to international students. Number one, who's paying for it? 
as an international student, you don't qualify for federal financial aid for the loans. You won't get loans from the government to pay the schools to give you the education so that you can get a job and pay back the loans. So who's paying for it? And so there are schools that accept international students that have a large endowment that will give you the loan directly from them. There are schools that don't have that and they want to see that you have the finances or that your family has the finances, somebody has the finances to pay for medical school out of pocket. Then you have to look at the other end. Are you going to have any visa issues to work? Once you are out of school and you're working as a resident, are you going to have visa issues? And there are a lot of residency programs that are hesitant to accept international students because they don't want to deal with any visa issues. If it's a small program with four or five residents and one person isn't there because they're stuck in their home country because of a visa issue, that's an issue, right? If four students, 25% of the workforce is gone if there's only four residents and one, one resident is, is out of the country on visa issues. And so there are lots of these details that come into play when, when it comes to why international students are at a much bigger disadvantage to permanent residents or citizens of the U.S. when applying to schools. What are the options? Well, you could go to the Caribbean. You can go to any of these other international medical schools, get your degree, and then come back and do your residency over here. That's an easy possibility. As an international student, it's, it's much more likely that you'll get into an international school as an international student. So there's that option. The other option is you wait. You wait until you get your green card, your permanent residency, or your citizenship. How long will that be? Will it be six months? Will it be six years? That's all, only for you to decide if you're willing to wait for a year or two maybe because you're, you're dedicated to going to a U.S. medical school. Or if you're okay going to the Caribbean or you're okay going to Australia or Israel or, or, or wherever else there's a medical school that, that says they're for U.S. students, if you're okay going there, that's fine as long as you understand that coming back to the States, it's harder to get a residency spot as an international medical graduate. So that's question number one. Answer number two. Question number two, answer number three, my second question whether most schools accepting international students would consider me. 388 undergrad, 385 from grad school. I'm assuming undergrad is from a U.S. undergraduate institution. That's Those are great grades, right? MCAT, we don't know yet. But again, you need to make sure that you get your prereqs done for the MCAT potentially without needing to, to self-study all of those subjects. But the biggest thing for me is the student has worked as a registered dietitian for a year in a critical care setting. So that's great. How much clinical experience, and this is a question I don't know, how much clinical experience are you getting as a registered dietitian in a clinical, in a, in a critical care setting? Are you reading notes and prescribing the, the, diet, the dietary um, needs for the patient? Or actually, are you having discussions with the patients, interacting with them, going on rounds with the team to do all of this stuff as well? If it's the latter, great. That's great clinical experience. If it's the former, where you're just kind of reading notes and, and doing your job outside of that interaction, 
then that kind of hurts because it's not really clinical experience. Sure, you're working in a clinical setting, but you're actually not interacting with the patients. So I don't, I don't know that question. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, it depends on what you are actually doing as a registered di- dietitian in that critical care setting. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. And then the second thing is some shadowing hours working as an intern during the two years of registered, registered dietitian training. Okay, great. So you have some shadowing. You, you need more. Consistency, consistency, consistency is the key to all of this. You need consistent shadowing hours. So keep shadowing. You need consistent clinical experience. Keep getting clinical experience. If, again, working as an, a, registered, a registered dietitian, you're getting great clinical experience, you're actually interacting with patients and their families and everything else, great, you're getting great clinical experience. If you're not, you need some more. Outside of that, it's really just the shadowing clinical experience. If you can spend a weekend a month doing some Habitat for Humanity or some other community service stuff, great, do that consistently. If not, that's all right too. So the biggest issue here, the biggest hurdle of getting in is not being a non-traditional international student, it's just being an international student, period. That's all, just like every other international student. So... Make sure you get your prereqs that you need for the school and that you need for the MCAT if you don't want to self-study all of the subjects. Make sure you're getting consistent shadowing hours, clinical experience, etc. And then really ask yourself, are you okay to wait to get your, your green card, your permanent residency, or your citizenship? Or are you okay knowing the risks of going to an international school such as the Caribbean, or Australia, or Israel, or wherever else there are these international medical schools that cater to U.S. students. So hopefully that was helpful for you, kind of breaking down what you should be thinking at or thinking about as an international, non-traditional student. If you have a question that you want answered here on the podcast, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash forms, register for an account if you don't already have one, and ask your questions. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out the MCAT Cars podcast at mcatcarspodcast.com. If you're looking at using Jack Weston to help you with your cars, you can use the link medicalschoolhq.net slash Jack Weston, which will automatically activate a $100 off coupon code. And that gives me a little bit of beer money as well. So you save some money, I get a little beer money. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the old pre-meds podcast.